Hello and welcome to Cartel Aristocrats cast number 109. This cast is always sponsored by CoolStuffInc.com, which has recently merged with Gathering Magic to create one awesome platform where you can find us on. With free shipping on orders of $100 or more and a sweet 25% buy list bonus, CoolStuffInc.com is the store for all of your Magic the Gathering and content creation needs. I'm joined, of course, as always, with Edwin and Jim Casale for the first time in three weeks. How are you guys doing? Good. As always, for the first time in three weeks. One of those is not true. <laughs> I'm not sure which one, but one of them is not true. Well, it's it sure feels good to have the cast back together. Um, yeah, so what do we want to talk about? Because our docket is looking a little slim. Ed and I were at a GP Minneapolis last weekend, and then Ed went to Gen Con, where I can only assume he was ran over by a bunch of people. And I was at the Pro Tour. So, Ed, anything of relevance from Gen Con? Oh, uh, just the usual one, Sandy. I don't know. Lots of people, lots of standing in line, lots of setting up, lots of waiting. It's nice that Gen Con days are super short, though. Like, being done by six every day is uh, is pretty nice. It's just much, much shorter days in GPs, but a much longer week. Because I left Minneapolis on Monday, landed in Chicago on Monday night. And then we drove from Chicago to Indy Tuesday morning. And we basically got there and then we just basically unloaded the truck and got everything set up. And then from Tuesday, Sunday, it was pretty much like just nonstop work. I went to the Pro Tour and I stopped by Lodestone Games, which is where we've had the owner on before Mike. And I was playing Commander with a pod and someone in my pod halfway through goes, wait, don't you do finance stuff on YouTube? And I was like, well, this is a weird interaction, but yes. And then, yeah. So shout out to that guy. I, yeah, I you would have known sooner if you had a cartel aristocrats play mat and or hoodie and uh, or other merchandise things that you claim to have but have <laughs> never shown me. Yeah, I actually do have the hoodies. They are really bad looking. Doug, uh, Doug saw them at the Legacy Five K. Hoodies are not not great. Um, but I so made. What happened to t-shirts that like apparently yeah. everyone that I got. <laughs> I'll think about bringing one to you this weekend, Jim. I'll think about it. If I remember. Oh, oh you're so generous. <laughs> you're so generous. Um, but yeah, the Pro Tour is pretty chill. Um, I actually was sitting in a seat. Uh, so I, because of my status on airlines, I was like the first one on the plane. So I'm sitting there and a guy walks by in a Pro Tour bag. And he go and I go, oh, I see you were at the Pro Tour. How'd you do? He goes, oh, pretty well. I go, what did you end up with? What was your record? And he goes, oh, well, I won the whole thing. So that was awkward. Uh, so shout out to me not recognizing the hot sauce pros boarding the plane. So was, uh, I like I like the part of the story where you didn't even name the person because uh, it's Ben Hall. Oh, it's okay. Ben Hall because I knew who or I knew who Orange was, but I had no idea who Ben Hall was. And yeah, that was that was pretty awkward. So when and, you say you're at the Pro Tour, like what exactly did you do at said Pro Tour since you're clearly not a competitor? And he, literally nothing. Showed up, then I won an eight, and then I played a bunch of Magic. That was it. Late, Jeremy Aronson, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there were vendors on site. I did some deals. Um I got out of some beta bolts. I sold them to Dan Bach, who was actually paying pretty highly on them. 
he was using TCG player pricing instead of eBay, which I was completely fine with. Um, picked up a couple of the Pro Tour mats, and I'll be able to flip those pretty easily. And other than that, just like hung around with the coverage guys, um, talked with Riley about his new podcast where he talks about history, and I didn't see Corbin. So that was it. Um, but it was cool because, like, if you saw on social media, there was like a staging area where all the players were watching, and I was like on the other side of that barrier. So I was just taking pictures on the correct side of the barrier. So it was fun. Um, that was pretty much it. It was a really boring weekend versus Ed. So being a C minus magic celebrity is, uh, not bad, not bad life. C minus. Man. C minus. If you that get recognized is... by one person playing EDH in a different state, you are officially C minus level. That's like that's pretty high for what you yeah. for that that bar is. I'm not sure that it qualifies for C minus. I think C minus is like a person recognized your deck list in like a top eight one time. Yeah. Or if you want a pro tour and the one guy who was at the pro tour doesn't know what you look like, is that C minus level? No, that's probably like B. Like you should be yeah. recognized. That person's just an idiot. <laughs> but yeah, that was pretty much it. Um, we are all heading to GP Orlando. I don't know if there's any cartel fans down there. Um, we'll see. Question mark. I, I am a fan of my own podcast, so I I will be there. Yes. Um, I I'm not sure. I remember last time the humidity was downright oppressive. So I'm not not looking forward Nothing's to Orlando changed. in August. It still sucks. <laughs> why why does Wizards want to have a Pro Tour in a, or a GP in Orlando in August? Because it's cheaper. Ugh. How is because... it cheaper? I can only imagine how obnoxious it is with like all the people at the airport that are just like taking their like you know little terrors on vacation and then just no, come on this, that with like the this humidity. Time, this time of year is when school starts for a lot of places so oh. they can't come anymore it's just late enough in Missouri, the summer it doesn't start for another couple of weeks yeah i mean it, it starts everywhere it starts differently in florida i think school started like two weeks ago yeah but um basically people have learned to not come here when it's hot as balls so it's cheaper to do events because they don't have anyone here like real conventions come during the fall and the winter when it's like a reasonable weather out yeah, Minneapolis was really nice. I wish that they did more stuff in the... Like, if they did Toronto in August instead of when it was February and miserable, I would have been okay with that. I have said this every single time I see the, the Grand Prix schedule. If anyone owned a globe, it could put all the cold Grand Prix in the summer and all the warm Grand Prix in the winter. So many people would be so much happier. Yeah. It looks like he wants to say something, but he's not. I, I, I got nothing. I'm going to be down there, and I'm just going to be miserable the whole time. Yeah. Like, no, I only you're going to be hanging out with me. You're going to be so happy. Oh, that's fine. I only own jeans, so like, it's I'm just going to like bear. Just take a take a scissors and make them into jorts. Right. I, right. I love I love Catskill. So so that part of my history is behind me. Shout out to Sigmund Osfresser who uh, took a picture with Ed and then one of Sig's followers was like, I thought Ed was taller. That guy's the real MVP. Um, 
<laughs> Shout out to the uh, Disneyland worker who needs to see if Ed's tall enough to ride the kitty rides this weekend as well. So, uh, yeah. Great. I will I will spend zero time outside the GP. I arrive at 7 in the morning on Friday, and I leave at like 6 in the morning on Monday, I think. Oh, my God. That's miserable. Why would you do that to yourself? I don't know. Could I have things to do? I don't believe you. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't leave Portland until Thursday at like 8.30 p.m. And then I have a red eye that gets me straight on site. And then there's things to do next week. So like mm. this intermittent week in between. So, Are you going to Brussels or are you going to the Eternal Weekend? Well, by saying that I'm going to be in Orlando, kind of implies I won't be going to Brussels. So I mean, I mean the week after. I'll be in Providence. Oh, there's a GP in Providence? Yep. Hmm. It's the same weekend as LA. It's a double GP weekend for some reason. That's exact. Well, I'm in the middle of the country, so I could choose to go to either one. Hmm. Or you could go to like just Japan and just avoid. Wait, 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 Jeremy. Like, have, you ever considered, have you ever considered going to both? Y- yo, well, now that you talk about that, I have done a double GP weekend and it was not fun. Which two cities did you go to? Last year I did uh, Friday and Saturday in Japan, and then I arrived for like five hours on site on a Sunday, supremely jet-lagged, to another one. And I also last year did Orlando and then went right to that Japanese Grand Prix, if you remember, where I only hung out on site on Friday for like three hours, and then I got on a plane. That seems not worth it. No, it was it was not great. Um, but yay, arbitrage. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, what do we want to talk about financially relevant this week instead of just, you know, well, Commander, sure. Commander Dex come out on Friday, right? Yeah. There's nothing new that we've talked about from last week with that. If our listeners listened to the episode with Jason Alt last week, he pretty much covered it all. I mean, there's been some movement on stuff that's not in those decks this week. Um, I think our Gothian Enchantress is one of the ones that's gone up pretty recently. Okay. So there are there are things like if you're still for some reason waiting to buy cards for that those decks that you want to play with, um, waiting is not going to help you. People have already been going to town on the the obvious things that are missing from those decks. Mm-hmm. The uh, the fact that Legacy was on the Pro Tour made me so happy. It was nice to uh, to get a real format in there, you know. Uh, just like talking with a lot of the pros um, at the Pro Tour, like a lot of them preferred playing uh, Legacy over Modern because of the whole sideboarding thing, where in Legacy specifically, like, if you know the format well, you're going to be rewarded, even against sideboard stuff, and it's not as cut and dry as Modern. And um, there's like a lounge for all the pro players to hang out in on Sunday during the finals. And there was an ironic cheer every time someone resolved the Teferi, which was every time that day. I don't think Teferi was countered once in the finals in any of, or throughout the the top eight in any of the rounds. And a lot of the pros were just straight up mocking it uh, as it was going on. And at one point um, they started doing giveaways because people were so bored by the games going on. I, uh, yeah, and Gabe Nassif beat me because I thought the first Pro Tour was held in New York, but it was apparently held in Washington, D.C. So, you know, doesn't help when you're younger than the game and all these guys have been on the pro circuit forever. Um, but yeah, 
it's just nice to see that like even pros were talking about how they felt comfortable with legacy. This has no financial relevance whatsoever, but it, it just makes me happy that I continue to run legacy tournaments. So it's good. I think the only part that I find slightly concerning is I want to say like on Friday evening when we were at dinner and we were looking over like um, day one stats for the PT I think the fact that Eldrazi is the second most played deck or the yep. third most played deck, it, second, I think. Um, I think that definitely goes to show like how actually problematic getting cards are for people. Because let's be real here. Eldrazi definitely was not really affected one way or another by the, by Deathrite Shaman. For the, most, for the most part, it pretty much ran over most Deathrite Shaman decks. Um, like Clearly, like the what you can infer from this is that card availability just makes people audible to a cheaper deck like Eldrazi. There's no dual ends that you need. Basically, if you can if you can find slash buy uh, four city traders, you likely have Chalice of the Voids um, as basically the only other expensive card. And then past that, like Eldrazi really is not an expensive deck. Like there's definitely like some pricier cards, like Ancient Tomb is probably in the same price range as Chalice. But in terms of like most of the creature most of the creatures are really cheap, although they are starting to get pricier because they've been out of print for almost two years now, or a little bit over two years. And it's uh and Eldraz is definitely proven to be like a serious contender in basically every format. Um but like again, most deck lists, like if you've been playing within the past few years, there's a very, very good chance that you've acquired or I'm close to acquiring everything that you would need for legacy. Um there was a lot of popularity uh, for Legacy. Like, if you follow Twitter, a lot of people seem pretty excited about it. There seems to be kind of a movement suggesting that Wizards should remove Limited from the Pro Tour because it's kind of miserable to watch. But from a financial perspective, I'm not sure it's in Wizards' best interest, despite the fact that it's, it's a popular opinion that... Uh, that like Legacy is definitely more enjoyable to watch. You have like, some pretty sweet games... That he like, had triple days in the in the semifinals, right? Or, no, I think it was was in the finals. It was no, it was yeah, it was, it was the it was the finals. He had triple dread of night followed by a triple, triple days, days on, to counter to counter battle skull. Yeah, right. And and death and taxes still won that game. Like yeah, like obviously, like those are like some of the more exciting games to watch. But I think it's going to put a pretty like serious damper on like people's ability to seriously compete if. Like they actually do make legacy more of a mainstream format. So who knows so, what, what while you were sitting in your gilded castle in indie, I was doing the floor reporting at the pro tour, you know, doing the real hard MTG finance work. And almost all the pros I talked to when talk because we had a good conversation about legacy on site with a lot of the pros, um, is their reasoning was modern Eldrazi is the same as legacy Eldrazi. So for a team that didn't necessarily have a legacy specialist, it was easy enough to make that shift from them playing modern Eldrazi to them playing legacy Eldrazi because the gameplay was almost the exact same. The only thing they said that a lot of their players had to learn was when to play a turn one uh, like Ayavugan and when to play a turn one Thorn of Amethyst, depending on which fetch land or dual land their opponent opened on, which is crucial in legacy. It seems reasonable. Yeah. So like that was I talked with like as many of the pros as I could on site and in like the coverage 
area and all that. Um, there was also an official MTG Finance Quiet Speculation dude on site too, who owned one of the shops in town. And we were providing a lot of financial information uh, for people. So it was it was interesting to just like talk with the pros and figure out what they were on and why they were on it and how they felt about the meta. So that's one of the bigger reasons Eldrazi was so big is because if you have a player who got to the Pro Tour by playing Modern it, with Eldrazi, it's not that much of a step for him to play the essentially same deck with better lands and Legacy. That seems reasonable. Um, I just don't know, like... I guess we can kind of segue this, but like my my biggest thing, and I was talking to several other people and groups about this, is like people are asking like, what does the future of duels look like? And while duels have kind of plateaued, slash dropped slightly because so many have re-entered the market, I had suggested that depending on what you think Wizards will do for next year, um, because normally we see like announcements for like the first half of the year and pro tours the next year as like a an organized play announcement it usually happens at the pro tour or shortly afterwards we haven't seen it yet but like if we expect there to continue to be team events or legacy events or if legacy is pushed at the pro tour in some capacity like i doubt there will actually be like a single um single player legacy like pro tour that probably just seems far too prohibitive for people but if legacy continue to exist i think it's only a matter of time before we start to see like duels rebound in price uh after the summer like lows right now i'm actually happy for the first time this entire year with wizards not announcing anything we've been getting slammed all year with supplemental stuff and changes to organized play and it's it's nice that like there's finally a lull after the pro tour where i don't have to worry about the next card coming out right away I mean, we were getting Commander 18 spoilers right after um, uh, whatever it was came out. But I forgot what that product was before Commander 18 because there's so many products. But Core 19? Yeah, like right after Core 19, we got Commander 18 spoilers. And it's nice to like have no spoilers and no announcements whatsoever for once. You also have to assume that most of the Wizards employees were either at the Pro Tour or Gen Con. And they need like a week to go over what happened at those events before they move on with pushing the rest of the year and next year. I mean, most of these are already in place, right? Like surely they know like the, the first like winter set of next year. I imagine they probably have the pro tour locations locked up. They probably have like the first half of the year, like GP locations locked up. Right. Like, and they probably have like, you know, some sort of, winter supplemental set that will come out in october slash november like not necessarily like an iconic masters type product but some other like i mean it might be in our product who knows like it's uh we had masters 25 this year who knows if they'll come out with another set or if they'll do something gimmicky like they did with uh what was released this time last year was it unstable was unstable released in november I, I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't remember my timelines anymore, but that was roughly the time. So I feel like we're kind of overdue for announcement day just because once uh, Guilds, Guild of, Guilds of Ravnica comes out in September, like, that's basically the last thing we know. We don't really have any idea of what's going on past that. So I feel like they probably need to come out and give us some news about things soon. Yep. Anything to add, Jim, before we move on? No, um, the legacy is really not my thing. So, 
I have nothing to add. Well, Ed and I will both be at my Modern Charity 40 Duel, which has sold, it sold like half the spots in like a week. We have like less than 100 spots left. So if you're interested in coming to the great state of Missouri to play for a good cause, we'll both be there. So sell Ed your cards. Um, moving on, though, we do have a credit winner. And Jim, if you want to explain what happened with the the new site design and the email and all that fun stuff like we did last week. Uh, sure. So um, basically what happened was uh, Gathering Magic was owned by CoolStuffing.com, but they were trying to consolidate their website so that you don't have to go somewhere else to buy cards and you can see all their articles and whatnot on their website. So it'll be like Star City where you can buy your cards and also see the articles in the same place. So this week and every week going forward, you can go to CoolStuffing.com and scroll through the bottom of the page and that'll have all the articles from all the writers for the week as well as our, our podcast uh, article will be there as well. So uh, if you'd like to win our store credit next week, we give away $25 of CoolStuffInc.com store credit. Please leave a question on the CoolStuffInc.com page and uh, if you are chosen uh, it, I'm also going to change this a little bit. Usually I say that you can send me a message or a Twitter message or a Facebook message and I'll get you the store credit, but I've been having some problems where the uh, codes I've given out have been the same to multiple people by accident and I can't keep track of it very well. So what I'm going to ask going forward is that you send an email to cartelaristocrats at gmail.com. That is the official cartel aristocrats email. Um, if you have a question, you could submit it there, but it is not eligible to win the store credit. So if you don't want to make an account or whatever to leave a question on the cool stuff page, you can email us at carstelaristocrats at gmail.com. So our winner this week is Franklin Folks, who asks, uh, when selling buy list orders to vendors, what methods do you recommend when shipping the cards? So this is a pretty like basic question, but I like to re-answer it every once in a while because um, a lot of people, I think, spend too much money and time on their shipping methods and they could be doing it a lot easier and a lot simpler and a lot more effective. You're leaving money on the table every time you don't ship optimally. Uh, yeah, hundred percent. So um, if you're someone that does like small amounts of shipping like myself, um, it is imperative that you buy your your shipping supplies in bulk you might not use them all the first time or the second time or even in a year or two years but it's just so much cheaper um so buy your bubble mailers in bulk buy your envelopes in bulk um and that will save you a ton of money in the in, in the long term and even in the short term like it doesn't take that much to break even um but as far as like what i how i would ship to a buy list um depends on how many cards I'm sending and how much they cost. If the total buy list order is, I guess, $50 or more, I'll send it with tracking in a bubble mailer. Um, basically, the opportunity cost there is like, are you going to spend the $3 to ship with the bubble mailer? Is it worth losing the amount of money of the cards that are in that um, in that envelope? And generally speaking, that's like my cutoff point. Some people is higher, some people it's lower, but I recommend anything over $50 in a bubble mailer. If you're sending like an extremely large number of cards, like in the hundreds, 
Uh, I would recommend probably buying a USPS flat rate box and making sure that those cards are well packed so that they don't move around and they don't um, come out of order because a lot of buy lists will only purchase your cards if they're in the order that they're listed on the buy list itself and they will deduct money if they have to sort them because it got messed up in the mail. Ed, as the shipping guru, what do you have to add? Um, I, from a relatively isolated perspective, like if you're only doing this once or twice, you don't need to, in theory, be optimal. It doesn't really make sense, in my mind, to be <clears throat> concerned with buying supplies in bulk. Um, like, for example, uh, right, like, yeah, like I can go to Walmart, I can buy like a single bubble mailer. Every, or whatever at a reasonable price point if i want to take, go up i can go to like a staples or office depot and then i'm like slightly reducing my costs on a bubble mailer but it's not going down by much um past that like if, you, if you're looking at bulk you're going to be buying like either 100 or like 500 supplies at once um that being said like if you're only sending out a few like you know again maximizing your cost is probably not optimal it's more important that you pack them securely um I know TC player has a pretty like standard process for how they receive their orders. Generally, use good judgment. If a card is reasonably expensive, if it's uh, a foil, like sleeve it. Beyond that, just a pretty standard like uh, top loader plus um, plus team bag will do. Just keep it from moving around. Uh, whether or not you ensure your package, that's kind of up to you. I think I mentioned in a previous episode, if you're sending in a buy list order that's like $1,000 or some substantial amount, for example, you don't actually need to waste money by, um, you don't actually need to waste money by insuring it for the full amount. If it's $1,000, I would probably slap on a value of like $300 or $400 on there, mainly because it's enough to alert the post office that, hey, this guy took the time and paid us to insure the package. Let's actually kind of give a damn about it and not just like, completely destroy this package because that's going to cost us more money in the long run. Um, and that's generally like the line where I insure packages. I, I never insure them for full value because trying to insure like, you know, $5,000 Lotus going like transcontinental is going to be a fairly substantial amount of money. And realistically, the likelihood that they lose like a $1,000 package and like a $5,000 package is probably going to be the same uh, once you have insurance on it. I always insure for the full amount because it's a business expense. That's just my opinion. I've never sold cards of a large enough value that I have insured them yet, but I probably would do anything over $200. I shipped a two, two alpha Savannah lions and two LP alpha badlands to a customer. And I insured it for the full amount because if those get damaged, you're never going to get one again. Um, and I've had an Alpha Mox jet go from near mint to damage from the post office. And I was lucky that the seller took a discount instead of the insurance. He was okay with the card at a certain discount. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's like, I would argue that's a slightly different thing, right? Like, I think if it's like a graded card or like something that's like a true rarity, then like where the items are more irreplaceable than the money is then maybe insuring it for the full value is correct but realistically like again if you're sending in like a thousand dollar buy list box i would 
I would probably not bother to go through to insure for the full amount. But that's yeah, just me. Yeah, man, I hate it when I'm picking my five rows and all these unlimited lotuses just come out, and then I have to decide whether I even want to sleeve them or light them on fire. Right, Ed? I mean, there's just all these unlimited lotuses just sitting all over. Sure. Uh, the last point about this is that if you are setting items in a box, try and pack it pretty tight. Um, the, the, like I've seen people send like you know 200 cards in like a four account box, which holds like close to 500 cards. Uh, don't do that if cards get rattled around. Like your cards can very easily go from like near mid to slight player or worse. Make sure you pack it with either like packing peanuts or like some styrofoam cutouts or what have you, just to make sure your cards don't move around. But realistically, like a, a lot of common sense kind of goes a long way, mainly because I see people trying to cheap out and not take care to not go through like the full effort to properly protect their cards when they're sending it out. And usually it just leads to more headache than however much money you're saving. If there's one thing that there's a takeaway here is always put a top loader in the envelope or the bubble mailer. Please don't skimp on that. Don't don't sandwich it between two pieces of cardboard. It's not rigid enough. Especially because the summer has been pretty crazy in terms of uh, bless you, Jim. Uh, pretty crazy in terms of like weather. Um, fun story, actually. When I was en route from Chicago to Indiana this week for Gen Con, I had my bag in the back of the box truck we took. We had like twenty six foot box truck, and like halfway through a trip, it just started dumping down rain. It was just full on torrential downpour. So we were we were talking in the front like. Oh crap, how much stuff is just going to get destroyed because of how hard it was raining. And then when we got out, sure enough, like my bag was because it was right on the back edge by the door, it was completely soaked. There was probably about two and a half feet of space in from the door where every box was just like soaking underneath. There was there's no shortage of damage like pops. Uh some stuff in my bag got wrecked. Luckily, uh my box was relatively okay. Allegedly. Sure. So small damage, most things were sleeved. Most most of the things came out okay. But um, when I was trying to leave Indiana for Atlanta, there were like isolated thunderstorms that caused the airport to shut down briefly. Um, these are all things like freak weather does happen. Don't think that because it's summer, bad weather can't like completely ruin your day. So like a top loader, a team bag, whatever is like is a small precaution to take just to make sure that like the weather doesn't just dump on you. Correct. I've shipped boxes, booster boxes and priority um, boxes because a large flat rate holds three boxes. And for a customer who needs those boxes on time, it's a good way to do that. And it sat on the customer's doorstep while they were at work and been rained on and like destroyed um, one of the boxes that wasn't shrink wrapped. So, yay. This was not a, a newer box where all the packs are made out of like plastic. Uh, so it was, it was, yeah, it was not fun to resolve. Um, yeah. Thanks for the question, Frank. Where can, uh, I think Jim already went over where people can leave for next. Yeah, week. but you know what? You can never do it too many times because people will still ask on Twitter where to leave a question. So if you're listening live or if you're listening, I guess, to our podcast on all of the places you can find it. Uh, you can go to coolstuffinc.com and click on the link at the bottom of towards the bottom of the page for our podcast when it goes up on Wednesday the eighth. 
Leave a question in the comments, and if you get selected, you can win $25 of CoolStuffing.com store credit. If you are selected to win, please send an email to cartelaristocrats at gmail.com, and I will get you your $25 gift certificate. Seems easy enough. Do we want to move into pick of the week? Sure thing, boss. I have a good one this week. So we had Paul Feudo on a couple of months ago where he talked about the rise of um, iconic Masters cards rebounding. And we've seen things such as Horizon Canopy rebound, although Mana Drain in particular has... I don't know if it's bottomed out or if it still has room to fall. Biolists are... Um, sort of converging on the same price lately, um, excluding Japan. That's not the card I want to pick. It's just like one of those cards where 50 felt cheap and now you can get them at 45 and like, I, I don't know how much lower they're going to go. Um, Cause I think Japanese bias is like 40 to 45 uh, US, but a card I really like, especially with the enchantment deck, coming out is Genesis Wave. This is a card that you can look on MTG stocks and you can see that this card finally did plateau a week or two ago and it started creeping back up. I don't know if this has anything to do with just being able to Genesis Wave a whole bunch of enchantments out right away, but it is a card that even if you look at uh, Trader Tools, for example, the BIOS is starting to go up on this card. So it's another example of what Paul talked about when we had him on, where it, about two years after a master set comes out, this, the cards start creeping back up. And you're starting to see uh, casual friendly cards such as uh, Genesis Wave go up. I believe it's low right now on TCG is three and in the mid is four. Um, Biolists have gone up between a quarter and 50 cents in the last month on this card. And it's just something that if you're trading for it or if you see one priced at the, the quote unquote old price of $3 at your shop, it doesn't seem like a bad pickup at all because this card is extremely powerful in EDH. And we've already seen, as another example, Austere Command already rebound to way higher and way faster pricing than what we thought would happen. That card was like 2 to $3, and then the next day it was like 6 um, I think the same thing will happen with Genesis Wave. And just because I've noticed in the last two weeks that this card's been going up and the BIOS are adjusting, it's something I would just keep an eye on, or if you need one for an EDH deck, you know, save yourself a dollar or two a month from now and just pick it up sooner rather than later. So that's my pick. Why did you go first? Because I wanted to get it before. Because Jason always steals my picks. And even though he's not on this cast, I was tired of getting picks stolen. We uh, also had to give Ed time to stall. I was so. ready. I actually have three picks this week. Oddly Let's enough. go for it. Are you going to uh, ponder them? Or are you going to draw one? What? He made a really, really, really bad ponder. <laughs> because because what you should have said was brainstorm. Oh, and to put two back? Oh, yeah. Man. Yeah, save two for next week. Yeah, but I, w I wouldn't have been able to think like a, a good pun like brainstorm like that on the spot. You know, that one takes an instant to think of. Ed, what do you got? Don't interrupt us ever again. Ah, you kill me. Um, So the... Uh, the Iconic Masters one, oddly enough, uh, mainly because Iconic is one of those things where I keep visiting, mainly because I know supply just steadily dwindles. Um, don't pick... Okay, well, I, I definitely won't pick that card. That card's terrible. Um, so uh, Because supply is dwindling, people, like, 
even though people still kind of seem to be locked in on like the pack price of like seven to eight dollars per pack there really isn't a lot of it left out there for people to be buying um i kind of like where iconic masters uh thoughtsies is at right now um supply is so reasonably high but thoughtsies is just one of those cards where people always buy um it's one of those just competitive staples modern that people always need it's probably quite a ways away from a reprint and it's one of those things where it is still it it hasn't uh had enough time to go by where it can get expensive again but if you just kind of follow the trends of past mo uh, master sets like 2015 it probably takes about a year to 18 months for most reprint cards to kind of rebound back in price uh master 17 was uh particularly stronger than usual most of those cards have already rebounded past their initial price um so it feels to me like thoughtsies is probably at the like as cheap as it's going to be you can find them for like 14 dollars um like if history has shown like even like after theros um came out thoughtsies was out for you know like two to three years there was a point when you know they were very 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 expensive um even like past its lifetime and standard and like when modern was taking off um like i think there was a time when theros thought seasons were like 20 ish dollars and like lorwins were like 40 to 50. um it doesn't feel that we're too far away from that happening again uh so that is my older pick uh for standard i like inventors fair there's a lot of casual appeals, just kind of very good catch-all. Um, it's pretty cheap, but just based on the number of decks that use it, both in Modern and in EDH, I think it has the potential to grow, mainly because you can still pick them up right now for relatively nothing. But I suspect this is the kind of card that will just completely disappear uh, from people's binders, from stores, etc. once uh, rotation hits, because standard binders generally tend to go away most people don't like most people will dump cards and then the vendors are listing them online will generally just um will just sell them and then they'll just kind of disappear like into people's modern decks or edh decks and then you don't have a lot re-entering the market um other than that i think the last standard pick that i do like is a scarab god uh it's like one of the most like played commanders in uh in blue black as like a great zombie like synergy there's a lot of like cool things people can do with it it's definitely fallen down from its high of like you know 45 dollars or so when it was looking to be like the best card in standard um now is probably the point when most people are dumping them supply that's entering the market is probably close to its highest right now um no like i doubt anyone is ever going to like open an hour of devastation booster box again uh and this is again this is the type of card that once it kind of disappears you don't really see them entering the market the only thing that kind of worries me is that um because it is really only relegated to edh like it might not be quite popular enough to actually maintain like a solid price but like right now at like 10 to 12 dollars if you only need one for a commander it's probably a reasonable place to go if you want like uh, an invocation like now is probably a reasonable time to buy before people just again before this card just kind of disappears and i imagine it'll start creeping up probably by december or january that's good i actually kind of forgot that rotation was coming up soon i have not purchased a scarab god yet 
at eleven dollars, I'm probably going to still wait because I don't need it right away, but it'll keep it on my radar. So my pick this week is um, another kind of casual card, but also kind of competitive card. It's mostly casual card. Uh, I picked Omniscience this week. Uh, it's down to like five bucks. It could go up a little bit in the future if people decide they want to play it in the enchantment deck. It's a pretty good enchantment to win the game with. That being said, uh, it has the casual appeal and demand that will just go up over time. And like most core sets, the lowest they get is usually a significant amount lower than the original price that it started at, but it can rebound pretty quickly once supply dries up and people are stop opening these booster packs. So it could go down to like four, maybe even 350 at 350. I'd probably buy a bunch of them, but so I don't think it'll go that low, but at $5, I, I'm, if you want one for your commander deck, or if you want some for legacy, for some reason, foils are also pretty reasonably priced. Um, I'm, I'm in, I think that $5, like it doesn't have much more to fall and it can only go up from there. And this is the kind of card you can just like, throw in a box and then come back to it in a couple of years and it'll probably be 10, $12. I want to emphasize the couple of years part because this is something that's going to take a little longer to see dividends in my opinion, because there's a much more narrow market for omniscience than some of the other cards that we're calling. Um, a lot of people who play Omnitel and Legacy already have their copies and in Commander, uh, this is a card that either like you resolve it and you win the game right away or you try and resolve it and everyone tries to kill you. Um, the the trade-off is a lot of players didn't know this card existed because they've joined the game now, and now that it's cheap, they're willing to pay money to get it. But last time Omniscience went up that high, there's definitely a price barrier where a lot of Commander players weren't willing to shell out that much money. So that's something to keep in mind, is if this card goes to 10 and you've had this card for two years and you bought in at three, it may be time to just get out, take your double up after two years, which is better than the stock market and move on rather than trying to wait for it to hit 20. Cause I don't think it goes back up to 30 or 35. This is a lot more supply. Yeah, definitely. I agree. I, I'm looking at this as like a 10 to $15 card tops before it maybe gets reprinted again. Like this is the kind of thing I, I don't think it's going to be in a master set. Cause it's not really the kind of mythic that can sell a set especially with how many blue cards can be mythics. So, you know, this is the kind of card that if you're, this is the kind of card that people that are lazy, but still want to like spend some money in magic. This is the kind of card you can buy. You can throw in a box and you can double up your money in a couple of years. Yep. Like it's, it's a low, you have a low amount of, what's the word I'm looking for? Risk. Not, you don't have to pay that much attention to it. Like, you don't have to look at it every day. Like, if it's a, a normal standard card, you got to, like, figure out what the flavor of the week is and make sure you get out on the right weekend. I'm keeping... Or this, this is just, like, Ooh, a lot less that. work. Yeah. You don't have to pay as much attention to it. It's not like Bitcoin, where you might just lose your shirt after a year. Or a <clears> year. He's <throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> not even humoring you. I, I, I got nothing. I, I, I just resigned to my fate. Like, you don't have nothing, and you won't have Harrison either. If there is any justice in this world, Jeremy gets punished. I'm willing to use like my one time on it. Yeah. But... Were you the one that lit the fire then? What fire? 
What? You don't know what happened? Oh, we're talking about your uh Yeah. Right. Was that you? Was that my punishment? <laughs> yes, that was obviously <laughs> me, Jeremy. <laughs> I'm sure I don't have like, you know, a perfect alibi for that that who would prove yeah. that I'm I was definitely, you know, not there. Allegedly. allegedly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I have a solid alibi. That's quite the opposite of allegedly. All right. Well, where can people find you guys? Uh, I'm at Edwin13 on Twitter. Uh, shout out to all the people in Gen Con Minneapolis. I missed last week's casts, but uh, it was pretty cool to see a ton of people as usual. Uh, met a ton of people in Gen Con and plenty of other people in Minneapolis. So thanks for taking the time out to come by and say hi. Um, I will be in Orlando this weekend, and then I will be in Providence next weekend. My name is Jim Kasaha. You can find me on Twitter at PHROST underscore. You can find my articles every other week on CoolStuffInc.com. Man, I've I've said that so many times that I almost messed it up. Um, You can find me in the okay-ish state of Florida, and at Grand Prix Orlando this weekend. Uh, I will not be on there on Sunday, so if you want to play some Commander or just talk or hang out or whatever, uh, I will be there all day Friday. Um, I'm Jeremy. You can find me on Twitter at MissouriMTG. Don't forget to sign up for our 40 Dual Land Legacy Tournament. We will also be offering other side events if you don't want to play one of the best formats out there. Um, I'll be at GP Orlando. I don't know how long I'll be on site. I need to book a flight to Providence to catch Ed the week after. Um, but in all seriousness, I'll be at Eternal Weekend in Japan uh, for any players that want to say hi or listeners, I guess. Why don't you just ride in Ed's carry on? Ed should ride in my backpack. He's Why? like He's taller this than tall. You. Yeah. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Sorry. Um, I hate you guys. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, you can find Cartel on Twitter at cartel underscore finance. You can find us on Facebook at cartel aristocrats. Don't forget to email us at our awesome email that I don't know what it is. You can find us on gathering magic, sound cool stuff, Inc soundcloud, iTunes, and YouTube. And as always, we of course will see you guys next week when we are done sweating in Florida. Have a good one. Bye-bye.